1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 8. This is Elijah. He rose. Now, this is Elijah who had, who had just called down fire out of heaven. Uh, sacrifices are burnt up. Rocks, water, all that stuff's consumed by the fire of God. He gets one bad piece of mail, goes into depression, goes and, goes and hides in the wilderness, and, and, uh, and he's got angels bringing... I think this is the one where he's got angel, angels bringing him stuff to eat here. I mean, that's some good stuff. Um, and, uh, and then it says, And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came hither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Uh, If you want to turn with me to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, we'll just read one verse out of Matthew, chapter 5, verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Um, and so I just have a little thought for you tonight. I know that we are, we are what did the missionary say the other night? We're in the most carnal time of the year. Uh, I, I don't know how many dinners I've already had, how many Thanksgiving dinners how many Christmas dinners have already had, and how many Christmas dinners are on the horizon? Uh, but uh, but but it it's a lot, uh, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But in the in the middle of all the, did anybody overeat during Thanksgiving? Anybody besides this preacher willing to admit I ate more than I probably should have? Only three people. Wow, wow. <clears throat> Brother Kevin, how about yourself back there? Did you eat more than you should have? All right. All right, some, I, I don't think it's in the Bible, but somebody said confession's good for the soul. Uh, somebody, anybody eat more pumpkin roll than you should have? Uh, there we go. Now we're starting to loosen up a little bit. More rolls than you should have. More stuffing than you should have. More. We had a Christmas dinner the other night. Anybody eat too much? More soup than you should have. Um, I come to talk to you tonight and ask you a question. Are you still hungry? Are you still hungry? Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for, for everything that you are doing, that are, you are going to do. And God, for what you're doing in us. I pray that you'll talk to us out of your word. Let your, let your servant and your people be anointed to receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for such a, a long period of time. Um, now, I... I uh, I know that my son is over here and probably leaned over to Brother Caleb and, and gave him my title for this evening because I did preach this same title in Lewisburg last night, but it never comes out the same. So don't feel like you're going to get a rerun by any stretch of the imagination. It always comes out different. Um, Jesus spoke in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's not really a sermon. Uh, but it, it, is, it is Jesus teaching the people. And he begins to say some things, Brother Pat, that quite frankly, if we think them through, they really don't make sense to our little human brains. Uh, we've read it so many times that uh, it probably just surpasses our thought process and we just take it for granted because we can almost quote it. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus talks about people that are blessed or, or what conditions are blessed. You feel like you're blessed if you're in these situations. He says you are blessed if you're in these situations. But if, you, if we really are honest here, which uh, we're in church so we probably should be, um, this doesn't really jive with our flesh. He said, blessed are they that mourn. Wait a minute. That's what he said. He said, you're blessed if you're in a state of mourning. He says, blessed are the meek. We think in our society, blessed are, are they that got it all together, those that have a charismatic personality, those that are, those that are really something. Man, that, that guy right there, he's blessed. But Jesus said, no, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And blessed are they which are hungry. Now, uh, you know, here, here we go back down this Thanksgiving dinner. By the way, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Uh, because there's there's no other agenda. We just come and eat, and uh, and so I, I I'm, I'm I'm all for that. Christmas has got all this other stuff you have to deal with. You got to worry about did I get my mother something for Christmas this year? You know, any other husbands like that? You're you're, you're going to you're going to Christmas dinner and you're like, what did we get my mom? <laughs> there's some of you guys that have said those exact words. And what did we get my mom? Uh, that was a good idea. <laughs> Thanks, son. <laughs> You're welcome, Mama. Uh, <clears throat> my mom knows that Angie picks most of the stuff out. So, but blessed are they which hunger. We think that man. I I had I had stuffing and gravy and mashed potatoes and and, and I had rolls and corn and and and, and I'm blessed because I had all that stuff. But Jesus said, no, no, no. It's not blessed that are full. those those people that are full. They're not the blessed people. The blessed people are those that are hungry, which totally goes contrary to what we think, uh, at least from a fleshly perspective. But. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I guess what I want to ask this church here is, uh, like Elijah, we have seen the power of God. How many have felt the power and presence of God in your life? Maybe you haven't got from God tonight what you want, but you have been in a situation where God has absolutely come into your life and done the miraculous. You have seen the hand of God move in your life and in your family's life. You've had prayers answered and you have seen things that, that are absolutely impossible except that God did it. So I've come tonight to ask this church, are you still hungry or are you satisfied with what God has done in your past? Because Elijah had, had seen the fire fall. And Elijah had seen the miraculous happen. Elijah was, was a prophet of God, powerful man of God. But he was so hungry, Brother Pat, that he was willing to go from where he was to Horeb, the mount of God. Because he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've got a desire. I've got a hunger for God. If you've got a hunger for Him, I, I wish you'd just lift your hands right now and let Him know, God, I, I'm not satisfied. 
satisfied. I'm thankful for where I am. I'm thankful for where you brought me from. But I'm not satisfied with where I am right now. Oh God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptize us with a greater hunger than we've ever had before. I know I've told you this before, probably. Uh, but uh, whenever I was a new convert, I, I don't know where I got this from, but I, I guess God just gave me wisdom to pray something smart. Uh, I prayed a lot of things dumb before. I don't know anybody, anybody else, but I prayed lots of dumb prayers. But one, one thing that I prayed when I was a new convert was, God, I want to have desire. Because if we don't have hunger and desire for the things of God, we are going to die. When, when somebody is terminally ill, one of the first things that goes, and sometimes it's the, the, they will lose their hunger even before they're diagnosed with sickness. Say, I just, don't feel like, I just don't feel like eating anything. I'm not hungry. If you're not hungry for the things of God, there's either something that is drastically wrong in your spiritual life or you're filling up on things that are not good for you. Psalm 1 and 1, I've, I've been reading this psalm over and over again, and uh, I really would like for him to put that up on the board, so I just confess that I've been reading it over and over again, and if I misquote it, it'll be really embarrassing. So uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not. Well... Okay. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Uh, now, just by a show of hands, how many of us want to be blessed? Okay, I want to be blessed. I think it's unanimous in here tonight. We want to be blessed. We want the blessings of God. Uh, so he, he says, well, first of all, I want you to understand, blessed is the man that walketh not. He's, he's going to give you the, the description of the blessed man. Then walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he, he, doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't get his advice from worldly sources. He doesn't structure his life based on worldly principles. He, 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 he looks to God. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And we could take some time and break that down, but I don't want to. Verse number 2, it says... But his delight, look at somebody say, his delight. His delight is in, now, i got to get down where we're living here for a moment. Uh, does anybody in here just really love Twinkies? Oh, i got a couple of amens. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Brother Barry was here, I'd ask him about those little Christmas tree little Debbie cakes. Oh, i got some more amens out of that, all right. All right, all right. Uh, I mean, I, uh, you, how many how many ever have been to, to Pigeon Forge, uh, Tennessee? You know, you can you can go down there and uh, uh, you can absolutely gorge yourself and overeat, and you probably need to pray back through. You know, you can be about ready to bust, and you're you're driving down the Parkway in Pigeon Forge, and out of the corner of your eye, you see the Krispy Kreme hot light is on. And you can cross four lanes of traffic. I mean, you're, you're so full, you're miserable, but you just find yourself involuntarily going over there because the hot light's on. 
And nobody in the car even asks a question, what are you doing, Dad? No, everybody knows what we're doing. We're going to go get a hot donut. We're going to go get a hot Krispy Kreme. Because it's a delight. It's something you, you just, oh, that's so great. It, I don't have to eat Krispy Kreme donuts. I get to eat Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Where were we going with that? I know exactly where we're going. Now, so, so if you have never had a Krispy Kreme, maybe you, could, you, can, you can identify with those little Christmas trees or, or, or whatever, but it's a delight. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. That means that to be blessed, you have to love the Word of God Not just read through the Word of God because your bread program says you should. You're going to be in love with the Word. You're going you're to read the Word even when you don't have to. You're going you're to turn on some preaching even when you don't need a Word from God. It's just, man, I love this Word. I delight in it. His delight is in the law of the Lord. How do you know his delights in the law of the Lord? In his law does he meditate day and night. Next verse says, the un, oh, and he shall be like a tree planted by, and, and talks about how he's blessed. Great, great, blessed. Next verse, the ungodly are not so. Now what I want you to see this evening is there's a big gap between blessed and ungodly. Because the blessed man delights in the Word and meditates in it day and night. It's not just a morning devotion for the blessed man. Now, now elbow somebody, tell them he's talking about hunger. If, you, if you're not realizing it, he's talking about hunger. Here's the blessed man, meditates in the, in the law of the Lord Day and night, the ungodly are not so. My fear is that the vast, majority, the vast majority of us live somewhere between blessed and ungodly. Because, man, is this too heavy for tonight? Are we okay? All right. It'd go down easier if you had donuts, preacher. The vast majority of us live somewhere between blessed and ungodly. Because while we do love the Word of God, do we truly delight ourselves in His Word? Watch this. Um, I'll just get, get, if it's okay, we'll just kind of talk about real stuff here for a minute. Uh, I know that there's some folks in this church uh, that, that have Facebook accounts. I didn't get one amen. Okay. <laughs> Y'all are nervous as can be right now. Just, just, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt nobody. There's people in this church have Facebook accounts. There's people in this church that actually know how to get to YouTube on that internet. There, there, there are folks in this church who, who uh, you, you tune in to Fox News, CNN, whatever. Um, if you pay attention... Let's just say that you're browsing on the old internet. If you pay attention, 
you will feel the pull of your flesh to go to the next thing. I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about you'll feel the hunger of your flesh to watch the next video, to read the next post, to, to scroll through those comments and see what people said. Well, I'm just curious. That's right. You're curious. You have a car oh. <coughs> carnal mind that let's just be real. We can spend our days ingesting things that are not spiritually profitable. But I want to be blessed. Go back up to verse number 2. I want to be blessed. Wave at me again. I want to be blessed. If we're going to be blessed, we're going to have to alter our diet. We're going to have to allow God to help us to change what we delight in. Because the truth is that what we habitually ingest, we develop a taste for. Now let's just be honest, which again is a good, good thing to do while you're in church and while you're out of church. The more time you spend on Instagram, the more time you want to spend on Instagram. The more time you spend on YouTube, the more time you want to spend. The more time you spend on whatever. Pick, pick whatever it is. It, it could be uh, the hunting channel. I'm not preaching against any of those things. But the more time you spend on things that are not spiritual, the more time you'll want to spend on those things. And you'll feel like a jerk in a dirt bag afterwards, but it won't change your behavior. What you... Feed on is what you'll develop a taste for. Now, there are some things that I like to eat that Sister Angie does not cook. And she doesn't even like them. She's downstairs, but she knows this. You can tattle to her if you want to, but, but she knows this. Uh, there's some things that I like to eat. And I think it's because that's what was on the table at my house growing up. I want this church to know this guy can tear up some tuna casserole. We, we just, this is a divided house. I got smiles and frowns. I got nods this way and I got grimaces looking back at me. <clears throat> Sister Angie does not like tuna casserole. Amen. There we go. But you didn't grow up at my house, Brother Kevin, and develop a taste for it. Now, let me just throw in it. Oh, just keep dividing the house up here. We'll get everybody all chopped up into little groups here. Uh, this guy 
really likes hamburger gravy. Okay, we got a few more head nods. Sister Angie, no. Is not, not into the hamburger gravy. Why is that? Because she didn't grow up in my house. She doesn't know the joy of... Now, now I, I, I put hamburger gravy on toast. I have a rule, and that is hamburger gravy goes on toast and sausage gravy goes on biscuits. And if you mess that up, they're not right. It's just not right, okay? Why? Well, because that's the way my mom did it. That's in your house. There's plenty of people over here that don't even like it. Why is it that... That, that to this day, I still, oh, I love me some cream tomatoes and biscuits. Oh, I'm ready to dismiss right now. But, don't tell your mother this, but I got to go to my mom's house to get them made right. Because she doesn't even like them. I mean, don't, don't, don't have somebody cook you something they don't even like. Right? Why, why do I like that stuff? Because at some point I developed a taste for it. The same way, is, the same thing is true with the Word of God and spiritual things. We must develop a taste for it. And sometimes that starts with discipline. I'm going to read this and I'm going to ask God to give me some understanding. And watch what happens when you do this. I, I'm going to give you a preview of some stuff I'm going to teach in the upcoming year. But I want to give you this little preview. Never read the Bible alone. Always read it with the author present. Spend some time and, and, and God, I, I want you to talk to me. God, I'm desiring your word. Show me wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes. Open my mind to understand. I, I'm going to read your word. And out of the discipline, I'm, I'm going to read this word... God's going to give you some nuggets. God's going to give you some understanding. And you'll go, that was pretty good. I'd like to do that again. I'd like to have some more of that. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Meditate. You've got to love the Word to want to be in it day and night. Jesus said, uh, if, if you're my disciples... You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Except I misquoted that, because somewhere in the middle of that, he says, If you abide in my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That word abide means to live in. If you'll live in my word, then you'll know the truth. Knowing the truth is not a promise to people who just visit the Word. Having spiritual revelation is not a promise to those who, who I, I'm going to check this off my, my, my list today. I read my three chapters in the Bible. I, if you're doing that, God bless you. I'm glad that you are. But my desire for you is to fall in love with the Word. So that day and night, and it does you know... Some people still read out of paper Bibles. How many still do that? How many still read out of 
thank God, I still do too. I, I do my, whenever I, I, I read in the mornings, I want to be in that, that, uh, that paper Bible. I just like it. Uh, but you know what? You can go down the road and listen to the Word of God. You can be, where, wherever you are, you can be immersed in the Word of God. And you can meditate on the Word of God. It's powerful stuff. Amen. So, look at your neighbor, tell him, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. Psalm 37, delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself in what? The Lord. Man. And, and how many love the presence of the Lord? But, I hope this is okay tonight. I know it would have been better with turkey and dressing. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then... Well, I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will heal their land. This is another one of these verses I think that we just kind of, I've heard it 75 times. I just, I just cruise over it. He says, if you seek my face, how do you seek the face of God? That's something preachers say all the time. Bro, you need to seek the face of God. God said, no man can see my face and live. How do we, how do we reconcile those two things? You know, Moses is up on that mountain. And, and he's been there for 40 days. He's praying and he's fasting. And he says, God, show me thy glory. And God says, nobody can see my face and live. How, how do we reconcile that? Where God said, if you'll humble yourselves and pray and seek my face. Brother Pat, what does it mean to seek the face of God? Over and over again, uh, it, it is spoken of in the Word. I thought I had another verse for you that I could read to you. I don't see it right here. Oh yeah, Psalms 27, verse number 8. David said, When you said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. In other words, God told David, You need to seek my face. What does it mean to seek the face of God? I mean, are we going to get on the altar? God, what do you look like? That's not what it means. The word translated face in those verses, that verse, and in Second uh, Chronicles seven, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it means presence. See, we love to come to church and 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 we we just clapped and celebrated. We love the presence of God. I love the presence of God, and and it's really nice when you got. Come together and the music's good and we worship God and, and God inhabits the praises of His people and, and all of a sudden, Sister Daisy, it doesn't take long before we feel the presence of God. And we didn't even have to seek it. All we did was lift our hands and His presence showed up. But He told David, there's going to be some days when you've got to seek My presence. We've, are you hungry enough that daily we seek His presence? presence. 
God, I want to know that you're near me. I know you're here everywhere all the time, but God, I, I want you to manifest your presence to me. God, I desire you to touch me today. That's what it means to seek the face of God. God, I, I want to be near you today. Elbow somebody, ask him, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Isaiah 55 and 6. Psalm 104. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Psalm, 104, I'm sorry, Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of His thoughts. I read that and I understand. If we are not seeking God, we have a pride issue. Jesus said... I am the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. And so, if we think we can do this life by ourselves, that means we are, or if we're, if we're not seeking God, it means we think we can do life by ourselves. I don't know about anybody else in this room. I know I need God. I, 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 it's, it's back to what we were talking about before. We even read the first scripture. No matter what we are going through in life, if we have God with us, none of the external circumstances can overcome us. Nothing that we are going through can destroy us. If we have God, if I am seeking God, if I'm in His presence, then I can go through a valley of the shadow of death because you're with me. He's faithful. But we've got to have a desire and a hunger to seek Him. Elbow somebody one more time and tell them you've got to seek Him. You've got to seek Him. You've got to have a hunger for Him. I, 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 I got lots more notes, but let's, let's, let's try to wind this thing down. You are blessed if you are... Somebody said it. Hungry. You're blessed if you are hungry. We think we're blessed. You know, you look at somebody. That's how we say stuff in the apostolic church. You know, somebody comes around the altar. God touches them. And, and, and they, they start dancing. And we say, man, God blessed them. Actually, the blessing came because they were hungry enough to seek after God. And then God came down and touched them as a result of their hunger. That's where they were blessed because they were hungry enough to seek God. Yes. And it, well, and if God puts you in an uncomfortable situation, it might just be so you'll hunger after Him. He might just be trying to bless you by putting you in an uncomfortable situation where you have to say, God, I need you. And I've told you this over and over again, and I'm going to reiterate it. If we are not willing to seek God on our own, God will put circumstances in our life that will cause us to seek Him. And if you can't pray without crisis, God's going to continually send you crisis. Why? Because He loves you. Because He wants you to be saved. And if you're not going to pray without crisis, he's got, because He's a loving Father, He will send you crisis, so you will pray. I want to pray on my own. I mean, sometimes I pray that, God, you don't have to send me any kind of trial. You don't have to send me... I'm, I'm going to seek you. 
Elijah saw fire fall from heaven. Eat some angel food, which can't be nearly as good as pumpkin roll. But he, he eats angel food. He goes 40 days, doesn't eat anything, doesn't drink anything. Goes from uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of Samaria, and he goes to, or, or where, where, where did fire fall at, Brother Pat? Resident Bible scholar? What was the name of the mountain where the fire fell? Carmel, yeah. He, he, he walks someplace from the neighborhood around Carmel. He goes all the way to Mount Horeb, 40 days, 40 nights, doesn't drink anything, doesn't eat anything. And, and God speaks to him inside that cave and says, Why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah says, Well, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. And so he, he, he walks out of this cave. And, and the Bible says, I'll, I'll, Maybe I'll read it to you here. God said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and he stood at the entering of the cave. And, he, and behold, there came a voice unto him again and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? So, so I just want you to get this picture. Elijah goes out and stands before the Lord because that's what the Lord told him to do. Go out on this mountain and stand. And a great wind came through, tore up the rocks. I mean, that's some kind of wind right there. How did Elijah not blow away? I don't know. But some kind of wind tore up the rocks. And we like the wind in Pentecost. We preach about the wind in Pentecost. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. When the the children of Israel were about to cross the Red Sea, how did God part the Red Sea? He sent a great wind and it parted the Red Sea. But Elijah's up here and this miraculous wind from God comes by. But the Bible says God was not in the wind. And sometimes we think that God is in the demonstration in the church. Man, I I love when somebody runs. Some of us are saying, I wish I had legs and feet that would allow me to run. (laughs) I got stronger amens on that. Man, that's exciting when some... But the Lord wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the demonstration. And, 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 then, and then there comes this, this earthquake. We love to preach about the earthquake. Paul and Silas bound in jail. The earthquake came. God caused the earthquake, but the earthquake wasn't God. And, 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 then, and then the fire came, and, and, and he sees this fire. And we love the fire, man. I've got the fire. And, and, the, and the preacher, Brother Anderson, can get up and spit and, 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 and holler. And, and we say, man, he was on fire. God wasn't in the fire. My question tonight is, do we love God for God and not for the demonstration? Do we love God because of who He is 
and not because of how He makes us feel. Are we in love with God or our concept of God? Are we in love with God or are we in love with the church? Are we in love with the experience? Because, man, church was rocking. Sister Martha made laps around the building. I had goosebumps you could hang a coat hanger on. You know, we say stuff like that. People were swinging from the chandeliers. And all that's wonderful. The fire's great and the earthquake's great and the wind is great. But what's important is the God that made it all possible. And I'm not seeking a great church service. And I'm not seeking some demonstration. But God, what I really desire is You. That's what Elijah said. God asked him again, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah said, it's because I'm hungry for you. I wish somebody would lift your hands. I'm, I'm going to close, but I wish you'd lift your hands. You can stand if you want. You can stay seated if you want. But I'm asking God tonight that He will baptize us with a greater hunger for Him. Lord, I'm asking You right now that You will cause us to have a greater hunger for You than we have ever had. You spoke to the to the church in the, in the book of Revelation and you said, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. I'm asking God right now that you will restore to us the excitement, the passion, the desire, and the hunger that we had for you when we first loved you. When we first knew you. Oh God. God, I, I, I'm not seeking you because of what you can do for me. I'm not seeking you because of, of how uh, you, you fill me with joy. I'm not seeking you for the excitement, although those things are all wonderful. God, what I really want is you. Oh, what I really want is you.